Amen, Lord. You did take our payment. The wages of our sin was death. And you have given us eternal life through the payment of your blood that was shed upon the cross. And we thank you, Lord God. We thank you for your mercy, for your grace, your loving kindness towards us that is new every morning. I, I believe I have the heart of everyone here today that probably the greatest day of their life was the day they received you as their Savior. That day was a decision that would last for eternity. All other decisions were temporary. But Lord, that decision was eternal. And Lord, we're thanking you because we get to live with you in your kingdom because you made the payment for us. The payment was death. And you paid it for us. Being holy, death had no dominion over you. So we praise you, Lord. We want the world to know this message. We want the world to know. But some of them just don't care. And Lord, open their hearts, their minds, their souls to the purpose for which they were born and bring them into the kingdom of light from the kingdom of darkness that they serve in today. Lord, to you be the glory. As we preach today here from this church, Lord, we pray that you're glorified and no one else. We pray that we hear your spirit's voice loud and clear. And we pray that we, hold, we obey and, and, and apply what you tell us today to our lives. Today we glorify your name. May Jesus be glorified, Father, that you may be glorified through him. To you be the glory, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, everybody. For those online, we welcome you here. This is Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're here today. We're here every Sunday at, at 10 o'clock. And um, so uh, any of you local, please come on by. 2810 High Paluxo Road in Lantana, Florida, which is just a quarter mile west of I-95 on High Paluxo Road. So if you're local, you know those that road. It's something that you come up on. It's a weird name, Hypoluxo. <laughs> you know? So how can you forget it? Let's go a quarter mile west, and we're on the north side of the road. Just a small Bible-preaching, full-gospel church. Um, um, you know, since you're online, freedomchurchpb.org. Most of you are there already. For those that don't know, Freedom Church is Freedom Church PB stands for palmbeach.org. You can find out our beliefs. You can see our list of uh, ministries. You can even donate online. You could, um, you could um, see our address for your next visit here, which we hope is soon. And for men, if you're local, we have a Bible study Saturday morning at 9 a.m. every Saturday. So come on by. We have a great time in the Lord and uh, praising him, learning of him, and fellowship with one another. So, uh, thank you all for being here. All you know here that we don't collect an offering. We we um, have boxes in the back for anyone to to look into. Um, I want to I want to thank everybody uh, for for um, their prayers for Liz and myself. You know, Liz lost her mother a few weeks ago, and you know, who wants to lose a mother, <laughs> you know? And, um, you know, they, they were faithful every day on the phone many, many times. So she's at a, a great loss, and so am I. I was, I was her favorite son-in-law, <laughs> you know? And uh, she used to tell me all the time. I told her, you can't say that, you know? But anyway, loved her. She's a godly woman. We know where she's at, but the loneliness hits, you know? You know, and you know that. You've experienced losses in this world, we will all suffer loss. So Liz is not home, but please continue. Uh, she's at home, so please keep her in prayer. You know, we know where mom is. You know, we know where he's at, but we're not going to see her again until we get there. <laughs> you know, and uh, unless the rapture comes, maybe we're going to see her in the clouds. I have a feeling that when the rapture comes and the Lord descends with the saints, you know, our eyes are going to focus on our loved ones. Don't be surprised if he puts them in order for you. <laughs> you know. It's, but it's a beautiful thing. We have a hope, a beautiful hope. So keep praying for us, if you would. You know, the whole family has to make 
all kind of, there's several disabled people in the family that actually lived at the house and, you know, we just need to provide and care for them. So anyway, just so you know, prayers are always welcome, you know, in, in a believer's life, of course. Listen, we started a study last week. For those online, we, you know, get your Bibles out, turn to Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27. We started last week, um, and last week's message was really, um, you know, uh, no man is assured tomorrow. And we went through a few people, you know, that, that, didn't know what was going to happen tomorrow. So we really don't. So if you're hearing today at the end of this message, for sure, you will hear an invitation to come to the Lord. You know, and you need to follow that invitation because, you know, um, no one is assured tomorrow. You don't know if you'll be here tomorrow. I don't care if you're 103 or 23. You know, you aren't guaranteed tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow holds. And we read that in the first verse of that. And let me read it for you. I'll go to verse 12. Psalm 27, New American Standard. I'm sorry. I think this is, uh, this is the New King James. Yeah, New King James. Psalm 27, or Proverbs 27, verse 1. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what the day may bring forth. And we saw examples of that last week. And that's just about as far as we got. Verse 2, let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than them both. Wrath is cruel and anger is torment, a torment, but who is able to stand before jealousy? Oh, an open rebuke is better than carefully and love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. A satisfied soul loathes honeycomb, but to a hungry man every bitter thing is sweet. Like a bird that wanders from its nest, so is a man who wanders from his place. Ointment and perfume delight in the heart, and sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. Do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend, nor go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. My son, be wise and make your heart glad that I may answer him who reproaches me. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. The simple pass on and are punished. That's as far as we're probably going to get today, if we even get that far, because sometimes when you're up here, the Lord directs you not on a rabbit trail, but more detail. So, so you know, that may happen, and I don't know, you know, I don't, you don't know what's going to happen, because we're spokesmen for the Lord. That's all a pastor is, is a spokesman for the Lord. We, we spill out the Word of God. That's it. So last week we learned that five examples of, of people that, I'm sorry, several examples of people that weren't assured of tomorrow. And we covered people like Jonathan. We covered people like Haman who planned to uh, build gallows for Mordecai, the Jew. He ended up getting hung on it himself that day. You know, you, we, we talked about Nebuchadnezzar who didn't know he was going to turn into a wild beast the next day for seven periods of time or seven years. We saw, you know, Belshazzar, who thought he was great king, and all of a sudden his kingdom fell that very night and he was killed. We saw the handwriting on the wall, as you well know. Um, and then we saw the rich fool who built bigger barns, and for his his time here on earth, he, he just had to have more, 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 and that very night his soul was claimed. You know, we, we aren't guaranteed tomorrow. And I know you've heard this a thousand times, you know, maybe if you're a Christian, and maybe you never even responded to the gospel, but, but you've heard that people say that, and you figure, figure it's a fear tactic, and it isn't a fear tactic. It's reality. 
because every one of us that I know of go back to the beginning of time and a 100% have died. And that's the same until the rapture happens. We aren't guaranteed tomorrow. So make your decision today. And to make no decision is a no decision. You said no to God who shed his blood. Max wrote a beautiful song about that. The sinner, he, he shed his blood for us. You know, we got to remember that. This was not just the blood of a boar or a goat. This was the blood of Almighty God. You can't trample it under your foot. Well, there's heavy consequences that will be paid. Hebrews chapter 10 and 9. So here we go. Today, this message really is um, about letting another praise you. And that's the name of the message. Let another praise you and not your own lips. Let me read that verse again. Let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. Listen, Proverbs 27, verse 17, and you probably know it if you've been a Christian for a while, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. So let another praise you. You know, if you praise yourself, you already have your reward. If, you pray, if somebody else praises you, then you are, you are exalted. And that's the way it is. Here's 1 Samuel, or 2 Samuel, verse uh, chapter 1. 2 Samuel, chapter 1. Let me see if I marked it here. 2 Samuel, I'm going to read it from verse 20, verse 21 onward. 2 Samuel 17. Verse 21 and onward. Now it came to pass, after they had departed, that they came up out of the well and went and told King David and said to him, Arise, the cross over the water quickly. I don't know, for some reason it seems like the wrong verse. Let me read it from what I wrote. Verse 21, David praises King Saul. Let now do, let now do or reign be upon you, nor fields of offerings, for there the shield of the mighty has been, has been evilly cast away. The shield of Saul not being anointed with oil, from the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back. The sword of Saul did not return empty. Saul and Jonathan were lovely and pleasant in their lives. In their death, they were not divided, swifter than eagles and stronger than lions. David wrote that. After 21 attempts by Saul to kill him. Isn't that godly love? He loved Saul and Jonathan so much that even though Saul tried to kill him 21 times, he still loved him and put a blessing upon him. A blessing. And he was praising them even though he could have considered Saul evil. He respected the Lord's anointed. 21 attempts. There was a centurion in Matthew chapter 8 that Jesus praises this centurion who was a Gentile. When Jesus heard what he said, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but only speak the words that my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And Jesus says this, Truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Praises. Let another praise you. Jesus Christ himself was praising a Gentile centurion. There was John the Baptist, and Jesus praised him. 
In Matthew 11, 11, Jesus again praises John the Baptist. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has no one arisen greater than John the Baptist. So he's praising John the Baptist. And you know what? If I continue reading, he's going to praise you. Here's what he says. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom is greater than he. He's praising you right now. You are greater than John the Baptist because you believe. Because you're a believer. Jesus himself praises you. For those that ever said no to Jesus, he's not so much happy about that. Because Jesus shed his blood for you. Holy blood. He even goes on in John chapter uh, 5. Jesus John says this, John the Baptist has bore witness of the truth, and I say to you these things that might be saved. And when I say these bore witness to the truth, but I say these things that you might be saved. He, that's John the Baptist, was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. He's talking to the Pharisees and the scribes. He's saying, you know, you respected John the Baptist, but he was a bright and shining light. So he's, he's a glorifying John the Baptist and rebuking those, those ones that doubted. And we got to understand that, that, you know, we let another praise you. You know what? A lot of people, even when they, when they fast, they got to praise themselves. I'm fasting for 40 days. I'm fasting for three days. I'm fasting. You know, I'm going to have a, a, a Daniel fast and all this. You know what? They just praise themselves. Shut up. Jesus says, be quiet. Don't let anybody know. The scribes and Pharisees walked around fasting. And then they put sackcloth and ashes on us. So everybody said, what a great holy man is he. No, that's not true. You've just received your glory. Stop it, church. We need to move on. We need to really grow up is what the fact is. We have Luke and Colossians 4, 12 through 14. Paul praises, um, and, you know, Epaphras. I'm poor pronunciation. Epaphras. For struggling in prayer for the Colossian church. He's praising him. I think he's the only time he's written in the Bible. And Paul was praising him because of his, his love and prayer for the, the Colossian church. And Paul also is praising Luke. And he calls him beloved, beloved physician. He's praising him by saying that. Meanwhile, in Colossians, Paul was in prison. So he's praising himself. You know, by we could look at Paul praising, and we could praise him because he didn't even mention he's in prison, and so he wanted glory for himself. No. Second Timothy chapter four, verse eleven, Paul praises John Mark, who was Barnabas's nephew. Remember him, the one who deserted Paul, in the first missionary trip. Here's what Paul says about him. You know that he says Mark is a useful toll for my ministry, send him. You see, they reconciled somehow. Some people say this is a different mark. I don't believe so myself. But you know what? You know, he's praising Mark. Well, obviously, John Mark redirected, you know, uh, deserted him, but he came back. So that's an encouragement for those backsliders out there that have backsliding. I don't know about all of you, but I've backslidden in my life. I think if you tell me you didn't, I think you're probably, you might be a little bit wrong. <laughs> I didn't want to call out a direct liar, but you know, you know but really, you, I've backslidden in my life, not just once, many times. You know, God wants you back. Paul is encouraging him and pointing him, and he's pointing him out as, I forgive him, I, we have reconciled. He's praising him here. And Paul was in Rome at this point, just probably a year or two prior to his, his beheading. Paul finds that Mark is useful and sends for him. Paul also in Philippians 
too, praises Epaphroditus. Paul is calling him a brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, something that the church has forgotten today. We're not soldiers with swords and shields and and harpoons and, and, and spears. We are soldiers with the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit, which takes down forces of darkness. You know, we are soldiers. We forgot. We're not supposed to be on R&R every Sunday morning. We're supposed to be active soldiers every week, engaged in warfare against the enemy. Someone once said, and I've heard it several times this week, if you are walking in the Lord and don't run into the devil, you're probably walking in the same direction as the devil is. And you've got to turn around and come back because you should be bumping into the devil because his beliefs and our beliefs clash. And you have the sword of the Spirit, and there's no reason for you to be fearful whatsoever. He's telling us about about, uh, Epaphroditus, meaning that they were in many spiritual and emotional battles together, Paul and Epaphroditus, against the devil, against religious leaders, against sickness, because in verse 26 of Philippians 2, it says that he was so sick, even unto death, that God had mercy on him, and he's still praying and comforting the church. God had mercy on Paul also in verse 27. Then we can look at guys like Barnabas. who, Where would the apostle Paul have ended up without Barnabas speaking up for him to the church leadership in Jerusalem? It was Barnabas that praised Paul, you know, to the Jerusalem church's leadership. For Paul, and, and he talked about Paul's conversion in his, on the road to Damascus, in his bold preaching of Christ to the Hellenists and to those that wanted to kill him. And if you remember right, remember he had to be led, let down from the wall on, in Damascus in a basket because of his preaching. And Barnabas is careful to praise him, not praising himself. Barnabas was praising Paul, who, who was converted. You know what? Here's David with Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 45 and onward. Um, David is praising Jehovah. And that's why he got the victory this day. Let me see what, let's see what he says. You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give, your, give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, and all that's on the earth will know that there is a God in Israel. You know what? You better know, America, that there's a God in America. There's a God in this world, and a lot of people are serving the wrong God. J. David praises Almighty God, and he gets the victory for it. And all men knew that Jehovah was God. The application of this look at different people is that, you know, self-praise is not a recommendation. Do not praise yourself. But rather show of your, it's a rather a show of your pride. How many of you ever heard, heard of Jack Hayford? Very few. Great, great guy. He just passed away at 88 last January. I've, I've, I've spent a seminar with Jack. But why did I say that? Jack, Jack was kind of like Chuck Smith. Just call me Chuck. Just call me Jack. You know, it was not know self-praise, and I'm a great pastor. I mean, he was a powerful preacher. And still is, still was at the day he passed. You know, let another praise you, not your own lips. It's a show of pride if you praise yourself. And you know that pride leads to a fall, don't you? 
I know people that are very prideful in my own family. I'm sitting there saying, God, take it easy on them, you know, because they're going to they're gonna fall. That's all there is to it. Here's, here's some scriptures to back that up. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You know, God had mercy on King Saul. He tried to kill David 21 times. Even though Saul knew that David was the next anointed king of Israel, Jonathan was with him. Jonathan and David were best friends. Jonathan would have lost his throne, but he sided with David. And his dad was ticked off about that. But he knew that Jehovah was God, and Jehovah was calling David to be king. Proverbs 29, 23, pride will bring one low. James 4, 6, God is opposed to the proud, but, you know, he gives grace to the humble. How about 1 Peter 5, 5? It says the same thing as James 4, 6. God gives grace to the humble. And Mark 7 says this, For from within, out of the heart of man, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, thefts, slander, pride, foolishness. Notice that word pride there. Foolishness, murder, adultery, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, sexual, um, sexuality, envies, and slander. We're to get rid of pride. Let another person praise you. If you're a great preacher, a great orator, a great uh, mechanic, let somebody else praise you. It means more when someone else picks, can praise you for what you can do. Proverbs 27.3, A stone is heavy and sand weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than them both. A fool's wrath, his ill temper is injurious. And he's classified as a fool at this point. You know, and it brings, he brings hurt, mental hurt, physical hurt, emotional hope. Here's what Job said in 6, 1 through 3. Job answered and said, Oh, that my vexation were weighed, and all calamity weighed in the balance, for then it would be heavier than the sands of the sea. Now, I don't know if you ever pick, pick a, if you pick up sand, it's kind of light, but if you pick up wet sand, a lot heavier, isn't it? Because water is heavy. Now, why do you think we use sandbags to stop the waves from crashing in and pulling down the, the, uh, the shoreline? You know, in other words, Job was really suffering in this. He's trying to tell us how, how uh, he just he put it on a balance. It would be heavier. His weight is heavier. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, I have set before you death, life and death, blessing and curses. Choose life. Today, before we leave here, I'm going to present the gospel to you. And I'm going to, I'm going to set before you life and death, blessing and curses. And God says, choose life. And a lot of the world, Seven and a half, almost eight billion people on the face of the earth. And I, I would love to say two billion were saved. But I don't think I could go there. I think that's way too much. Listen, death and life has been set before you, especially those that live in America. And you have not chosen? What's so hard about that? Death and life. Who would want to pick death? Would always choose life. And God's telling you, choose life. Proverbs 18.21 says this, that life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those that love it will eat its fruit. You can either eat the fruits of death, or you're going to eat the fruits of life. Life is spending eternity in the kingdom of heaven with those that went before us that love Jesus, and death is standing before the white throne judgment of God where you will be judged because you rejected. Listen, he isn't going to judge you because you had a tattoo or because you, because you didn't go to church on Sunday or because you weren't a Catholic, a Methodist, a president, a, a, a non-denominational church. He's going to judge you 
because you rejected his son Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed for you. It's simple. And even religion makes it so hard. And that's why Jesus was down on the scribes and Pharisees all the time. It's simple. All you need is Jesus. Now you've got to do it with your, not your head, but with your heart. And I mentioned that you're 18 inches away. What's the difference if, if, if you were headed north and if you have your compass, you know, our compass is pointing magnetic north. If you travel to the north, magnetic north, you will be 1,200 miles from true north. What's the difference if you miss heaven by 1,200 miles or 18 inches? You need to come to Jesus and make a decision to come to him. Listen, he's not a liar. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. And that's not the only time. He said, unless you believe that I am the name of God, you will die in your sins. Unless you're born again. Listen, Jesus was quite clear as to who he is and how to get to heaven. And even he even said, the way is narrow that leads to life, and few there are that find it. Yeah, people say today, Jesus is, that's a narrow, you're narrow-minded. Well, listen, there's only one God. There's only one path to him, not a hundred paths. All paths do not really lead to heaven, like all roads lead to Rome. All paths, only one path leads to heaven, that's Jesus Christ. Philip even asked Jesus in John 14, show us the Father and Jesus going, Philip, 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 have I been here with you so long you don't recognize me? He's looking at the Father. We get a glimpse of the Father because Jesus is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his nature. You get a glimpse, not of God and all of his glory manifestation, because you will be pulverized. But you can see the Son because he's the radiance of God's glory. And a body was prepared for him in Hebrews 10.5. And he walked this earth. So a fool's wrath is heavier than them both both a rock and the wet sand. Let's see where else we're headed with this. But if, uh, verse 4. Well, let me read 27.4. Wrath is cruel. Anger is overwhelming. But who can stand before jealousy? Wow, jealousy, terrible thing. I was like that when I was a teenager, extremely jealous. Jealousy sold Joseph into slavery in Egypt. Did you know that? Jealousy is why Saul tried to kill David those 21 times. Jealousy is why Cain killed Abel. Jealousy is why Haman built gallows for, to hang Mordecai and got hung on him himself. Jealousy caused Pharaoh and Herod to kill the male children. Jealousy. It's wicked. Satan's jealousy led to deceiving Eve because he was jealous. He was jealous. He was thrown out of the kingdom and Adam and Eve were well received and and even created before, before the, his very eyes, probably, because of jealousy of the devil came death to this world. We could go on and on. There could be Simeon and Levi who killed all the, all the Shechemites because they raped Dinah, their sister. Listen, jealousy is evil. If you have jealousy, pray against it now. Because it will show up when you don't want it to, believe me. Proverbs 27, 6. Amen. 27, 6. Faithful. No, let me say 27, 5. We'll go to the second part. Better is an open rebuke than hidden secret love. 
better is a hidden rebuke. An open rebuke demonstrates more love than than a uh, more love to a friend if you rebuke them for their wrongdoing. Say you have a brother or sister who's committing adultery or something like that. That rebuke will mean a lot to them because it comes from someone that they love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. A friend will always spill the truth out of love. That's what it's saying, really. It may be cutting. It may be sharp. But it will do them more good than the kisses from an enemy. And we've seen some examples of that in the Bible, haven't we? The kisses of an enemy are deceitful. You remember Joab and Amasa? The captains, the generals, I should say, of the armies of of, uh, David and the armies of his son who who rose up against him, Absalom. Amaso was his general. And Joab was David's general. And whenever, whenever Absalom was killed, God invo- or David invited Amasa to be on, uh, back in his army because he rejected David. David forgave him and brought him back, but not Joab. Joab, well, he was unhappy about that. So he saw Amasa, he hid a dagger under his cloak, he walked up to Amasa, gave him a kiss, and stuck that dagger into his stomach. That's a, he gave him a kiss, kiss of an enemy. And you know Jesus went through the same thing with Judas. It was deceitful. Jesus knew it, as we well know, because he identified, you know, the one at the Last Supper. Here's some examples of faithfulness of a friend. Paul rebukes Peter when he withdrew from eating with the Gentiles. You know what? Peter could have said, hey, Paul, out of here. But Peter repented. He knew he was right. He knew that Paul was right. And he began... Again, eating with the Gentiles, I would assume that, from, what, from that open rebuke. Peter needed that rebuke, and he accepted it from Paul. And there was no ill feelings between Paul and Peter. Peter writes about Paul. His, his, his scriptures are, are strong and hard to hear, but he, he backed them up. Nehemiah 5. Nehemiah rebuked the nobles and the rulers for exacting usury from their brothers at high interest. You know, Jews weren't supposed to collect interest from their brothers. And he's, they're being rebuked here. This is, a wrong, this is wrong, according to the Bible, to exact interest from a brother, especially if they're in financial need. Jehu rebuked King Jehoshaphat for helping the wicked to hate the Lord, basically, because he did not judge for the Lord. And he was rebuked by Jehu. Jesus rebuked the scribes and Pharisees with eight woes. I'm going to read them to you. Matthew 23, verse 13. They made it difficult to know God. You know what? Some churches today make it difficult to know God. You only get to heaven. Remember I told you, there's only one way to heaven, Jesus Christ. doesn't matter if you have tattoos. doesn't matter if you're good-looking or ugly, fat or poor or, or thin. It doesn't matter. There's only one way you get to heaven. That's through Jesus Christ. And it's easy. Don't make it hard. Number will number two, they exhorted money from the people, especially the widows. They were rebuked for that. Now, will number three, they stumbled converts with their legalism. And that's what Peter was doing when Paul had to rebuke him. You know, 
They were stumbling converts with legalism. And a lot of people, a lot of churches, I have a brother-in-law that, is, that has been offended by the church that knows more scripture than most of you. But the church offended him. And he, you know, it was legalism. And he finally just, don't go to church anymore. But if you sit down and talk to him, he knows more scripture than you do most of them. I'm, I'm pretty sure he would. You know, a woe also, he taught possessions were more important than God's presence. God's presence is more important than anything that you might ever have, his presence in your heart. Well, number five, they misrepresented God's values. This I require, be humble, merciful, and walk after the Lord. That's what he wants from us. Well, number six, they exalted outward piety above inward purity. And that's why Jesus said to him, you know what, you're clean on the outside, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. You know, that's why the scriptures say, what is in the heart comes out of your mouth eventually. So you'll know, just talking to a person, whether they're a believer or an unbeliever. You can tell by what comes out of their heart, out of their mouth, because it comes from their heart. Food is just exacted in another way. It's totally different. God wanted inward purity. Lord requires to be humble, love mercy, and walk after him. Woe number seven, they pretended to be spiritually alive, but they were actually dead men. You know, I love that song by Jeremy Camp, Dead Men Walking. Did you ever hear it? Everybody out there that don't know God, their spirit is dead. They're dead men walking. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, May the Lord sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be perfected. May be, may be made whole until the coming of Christ. Well, their spirit is still dead if they're not born again. They're soul men. They're walking in flesh and soul. And the spirit man is dead. And that's not good. That's what the world calls a zombie. They're dead, but they're alive walking. Well, number, number eight, they shared in their father's guilt of murdering God's prophet, and that upset the Jewish leaders. He was telling them the truth, and they didn't want to hear it. So, now, what did they do? They planned on getting rid of him. And they were deceitful by having Judas walk up to him and give him a kiss. It looks like love, but it's not. Proverbs 27, 7. The one who is full loves honey, but the one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. That's why America desires great food. You know what? I have on my television at home how to cook like an Italian. I want my mother's gourmet spaghetti back, ravioli, manicotti, you name it. Now, but I can relate to this because when I was in Vietnam, we ate sea rations every day for weeks. And I'll tell you what, we came up with some good concoctions. <laughs> We'd put the, the processed cheese on the, 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 uh, the bean dip, put that on a cracker, you come up with any way we could to make it taste good. When I came home, I, I said to everybody, let's get some bean dip and some, some chips. And man, they hated it. I loved it being hungry all the time. I went over 165 and came back 160, 142. Listen, I can relate. The pampered concoct tasty ways of food in contrast to the hungry. Any food tastes sweet. I still like bean dip. The true application of this verse is really this, I believe. We're to eat the Word of God. 
We're to eat the Word of God. Meditate on it. Joshua, you know, says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so you're careful to do everything written in it. And then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. We're to eat the Word of God. Jeremiah said this, Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and they became the joy and the delight of my heart. We're supposed to eat the Word of God. That means meditate, study. And Paul tells Timothy that. Study and show yourself approved unto God as a workman who needs not to be ashamed, handling accurately the Word of truth. We are to have an appetite for the Word of God. You are. And it's not just a devotional or two every day. You're going to read your Bible, study it. A devotional, the, what you feed the most will gain the most strength. And therefore, Americans walk around gluttoned with food, and the Word of God sits on the back shelf somewhere. The hungry. This is really a contrast to be hungry for the Word of God. Because all hungry men desire food that tastes good. They want a full stomach. You want a full heart? Read the Word of God. Some countries have reached high degrees of perfection in food. And I'm sure you know a couple of them. So we are to eat the Word of God. I believe that's the real application for that verse. Proverbs 27, 8, As a bird that wanders far from its nest, so is a man that wanders from his presence, from his place. Boy, Paul, Paul talked about that in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7. I'm going to read it to you. America's problem is right here, one of them. 1 Corinthians 7, 10, and onward. Now to the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord. A wife is not to depart from her husband, but even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and a husband is not to divorce his wife, but to the rest I not the Lord, say this. If any brother has a wife who does not believe and she is willing to live with him, let her not divorce him. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. Paul is addressing this right here, really. You know what? He's saying, listen, don't leave your spouse. If you do leave, remain unmarried. That doesn't mean you can go bar hopping. That doesn't mean you can get into another marriage. No, you are subject to the Word of God. You're a believer. And this is it. It's unwise for a man to wander from his place. And that goes for a woman, too, you know, to wander from her home. When they wander from their home, if they do such a thing, it exposes them to many dangers. Believe me. Lust, sex, adultery, evil, evilness, pride, foolishness, fornication, wickedness, murder, blasphemies, and on and on and on we go. Instead of finding peace, they find misery. They just have to go through that same thing they were going through with their spouse, with their new spouse, eventually. Instead of wandering, they find misery. Instead, in their wandering, they find misery and hardship. Here's a, here's a man who wandered from the faith in the Scriptures. 2 Timothy 4.10 is talking about a man named Demas. Paul tells us that Demas had forsaken him, having loved this present world, and departed to Thessalonica. 
I know people that have done that. Close people. They love this present world. Did you know that Jesus said to love this present world is to be an enemy of God? We have to think of these things. He's not talking about loving the trees and the birds and, and, and the beauty that he created here. He's talking about loving the world and its attractions. Unfortunately, they like Demas, many one time who believed they were saved. Unfortunately, they loved the world more than the Lord, and they departed. And that's why God addresses, the Lord Jesus addresses, you know, the church of Ephesus about their, their love being warm or cold. He would rather have them red hot rather than cold or warm. Warm water to me just don't taste good. I like cold water. But unfortunately, some people do love the world more than God, and they return to it. Verse 9, Proverbs 27, Ointments and perfume rejoice the heart. In a similar way, a friend's advice is sweet to the soul. Really, it goes back to, you know, to to correcting your brother. Here's what um, Moses said to the Lord in, in Exodus 33. And Moses said to the Lord, If your presence does not go with me, then do not carry us up out of here. In other words, he's longing for his presence. Every Christian needs to be longing for his presence. Now, while I was studying this, and I don't know what it means to any of you, but while I was studying this, I wrote this note to myself. My heart was very encouraged, and even now is encouraged, because I, I just prior to now smelled the sweet fragrance of the Lord in my office. I love that sweet aroma of the Lord's presence, and we should long for that. I smell that once in a while when I'm studying or reading. I smell his presence, that sweet, beautiful aroma. And sometimes it's corrupted. That's the way I could say it. It's not God. It's the devil imitating it. I can feel the devil in it. I can, there's a part of it sounds good, but then there's something about it just ain't right. I believe the Holy Spirit picks up on that. And usually... I'm not going to scare you because I'm not afraid of a devil. But I feel something jump on my back. And I just tell him, get off of my back, you devil. I'm a saint of the Most High God. Get out of here. And they just take off. I'm trying to put fear in you. I put your faith over your fear, which I tell you all the time. Faith over fear. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit of love. Listen to this. And power and a strong mind. You need his presence in your life, especially to you over the Internet that don't know him. You need your pres his presence in your life. Saying no is just pride. I'll be getting to a little bit more detail on that in just a little bit. Never abandon your friend nor your father's house. Do not go to your brother's house in times of trouble. A neighbor nearby is better than a brother who lives far away. Neighbors are commended here. You know, you're to befriend your neighbor. They know who you are. I, I know a lot of my neighbors, you know, as I'm talking to my next-door neighbor lives west of me. You know, they're, they were just yesterday, you know, we were, we were talking. We talk all the time. People across the street, I know them. They know I'm a pastor, but I didn't go knocking on their door. You know what, they're watching my life probably. See if I'm living what I say. In other words, seek help quickly. Why would you call your 
brother in New York when your neighbor is right there. You know, they can help you better. In other words, it's just common sense. The church really is a near, I was going to say is my near family. I put it that way. I could call probably anyone in this church and they would help me with anything at any time. I know I called my pastors when I was a younger believer and, and he, they spent lots of time with me. My one pastor just drove me around all day till I was calmed from what had happened. He was a neighbor that was near rather than my sister who lives in New York. Churches should be closer as a close family. This is a family church right here. We know everybody. Everybody knows everybody. Unless you're new, then we get to know you. You know? Um, so better are you to make a phone call. I know I could call up anybody here probably and spend time on the phone with me or come get me, take me to lunch or whatever. And that's peace that you can have. Better is a, a, a friend nearby than a brother far away. Be wise, my son, verse 11, and make me happy so I can rely, reply to anyone who insults me. New Living, New Living Translation says this, Be wise, my child, and make my heart glad. Then I will be able to answer my critics wisely before I speak. James says this, and I love this verse, and I try to tell it to so many people especially those with foul tongues. The tongue is a fire, the world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of your life. And it is set on fire by hell. Listen, your tongue sets the course of your life by what you say. Direct your life. Word, you realize God created the entire universe with a word? With a word. Words are powerful. My pastor used to tell me up 40 years ago, 40 plus years ago, he said, it's like squeezing that tube of toothpaste. Once that paste comes out, you aren't getting it back inside. And it goes out and it wanders through the universe. This is a proud tongue, and it's set on fire by hell. That was the first vision God, or dream God gave me. And I woke up. I, 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 I've said this many times. I'll say it again. I had a, vision, uh, a dream. Uh, a snake was wrapped all around me, and I'm wrapped in a, in a python or something, a black python. I couldn't do nothing. And then a, a, a zoom the Lord zoomed in like at a football play on the scales of that snake, and I'm there like, oh, that's pretty. That's pretty. I woke up the next day. I said, Lord, I hate snakes. I just hate them. I said, what was this all about? Because I don't get it. And a couple of days later, I struggled with that because he didn't answer me, and he showed me it's my tongue. My tongue was what, I, you would think it would be adultery, fornication, taking the Lord's name in vain. No, but it was my tongue. One of the first things God straightened me out on, my tongue. The first thing that left the day I got saved was my mouth. I quit cursing God. I quit saying the F word. I quit saying the Lord's name in vain. It was gone. And this was a couple years later, several years later. And God had to remind me again, watch your tongue. It will direct your life. Verse 11, my son, be wise and make my, your, my heart glad that I may answer him that reproaches me. Live as an example of righteous teaching, righteousness. It will, you know, it will rebuke those who reproach you. Speak righteousness to them. You know the word of God. It says, when your enemy comes against you, pour words of kindness on his head like coals. As coals of fire will be thrown on his head. Turn the other cheek. I saw a TV show. I was, uh, who was it? Um, well, one of the actors, a Christian actor. Um, he said, 
One guy punched him in the nose, punched him on the right side of the cheek, and he didn't really move much. And the guy punched him on the other side of the cheek, and then he said, I turned the other cheek, and then he threw that guy against the wall. <laughs> no, we're supposed to turn the other cheek as much as we can. But that doesn't mean you can be a doormat for someone that don't like you. The commands here, really, there's two commands in this verse. That's number one, be wise. And number two, make God's heart glad in whatever you do. Be wise. Verse 12, and I'll end on this verse. Those who are prudent see danger and take refuge, but the naive continue on and suffer the consequences. A prudent man, or, you know, he sees danger ahead. Look at the world, church. People, if you don't even know God, look at the world and see what direction we're heading. This world's heading to destruction. Everything winds down. Nothing, nothing gets stronger. It all is winding down. Look at the world. It's headed for destruction. And it's time for you to get an insurance policy that brings you out of this world and into the kingdom of God. Here's what Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3. Verse 18, I counsel you to buy, which really I looked up the word means to redeem for me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments so that they may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve for your eyes so that you may see. Pride will lead to a fall, you need this fire insurance, and Jesus gives it freely. He has redeemed you if you receive him. Romans 3, and you know it, and I hope if some of you over the Internet don't know it, Romans 3 says this, that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Maybe you think you haven't sinned, but you have. Maybe you kept the Ten Commandments, but you probably didn't. But even if you did, there's another 603 you need to obey. And if you're guilty of one, you're guilty of it all. And not only that, if you never broke those 113 commandments, you still have the original sin of Adam and Eve. So you're still in a predicament, and you need insurance. Because all of sin that falls short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. There's no, not one. And there are consequences for that sin, and that's the wages of sin. Max had it in his song he just sang. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. This isn't talking about physical death. It's talking about spiritual death. That's death forever. The wages of sin is spiritual death. And it's time to buy that life insurance. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. That's why he told the thief at the cross who actually said, be quiet to the other one. He has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into the kingdom. And then after Jesus' words, you know, whosoever believes in me shall die, he said this, do you believe? Do you believe? Really? You must receive that gold that God talks about in Revelation that's refined in the fire. You get redeemed by the precious blood of our Savior Jesus and no one else. You need to have fire insurance today. You need to know Christ is your Savior. That's all there is to it. Look at the world. Make a decision. Now is the point of time, Paul tells the Corinthian church. Now is the point of time. Now is the day of salvation. Just come to Jesus. Repent of your sin. Call upon his name. Ask him into your heart. And then begin to live for him. Come as you are, but leave born again, a complete new nature. Let's pray, okay? Father God, today I intercede, Father, for the congregation on the other side of the internet here. 
Lord, I don't know who's there. Maybe they're all believers. Maybe they're all unbelievers. Maybe you're 50-50. But Lord, if anyone out there needs to know Jesus as their Savior, let them have the courage and the wisdom and the strength to say yes to him today and invite him into their heart with their whole heart. Just utter the words, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I repent of my sins. Send your Holy Spirit to help me walk in this, on this earth and let me become the man, the woman, the child of God that you want me to be. May you receive the glory for my life from this day on. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, everybody. Thank you. Those online, love you all.